this is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. It's Phil Quarren with Brushwork Minis. And this is War Council. War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. It is March 10th, and this is episode 23. We're going to be speaking with um, Nate of Vindica on this episode. Um, Vindica is a new trade platform. It's a, uh, a platform bartering system for war gamers. And we're going to be talking to him about the beta that's coming up, beta testing's coming up for Vindica, and how Vindica kind of came about, what are the implications of how it's going to be used, and, and kind of like, you know, how, how, to, how it's gonna, all going to work. So we're going to kind of mm-hmm. get with Nate, talk about the nuts and bolts of the program, or the platform, um, on this new, this new exciting frontier. Um, sorry, Star Trek was playing on TV last night, so I'm yeah. thinking about new frontiers, <laughs> all that kind of fun stuff. Is there any movies that when you watch them, like, they come on, you have to stop what you're doing? I knew this guy used to be Titanic. Anytime really? Titanic, yeah. Oh. He'd have to stop anything he was doing. That's an unlucky movie. Yeah, it's an unlucky <laughs> You're movie. You're yeah, for hours. Um, I didn't watch it. I just recorded it. But it's a great movie to sort of play in the background with your painting or something like that. So, you don't have a movie? There was a question at the beginning of that. that yeah, movie. there was. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, there's a few. Like, I don't know, some old school movies. Like Terminator 2, sometimes Star Wars. Terminator 2 is one of my favorite. I love yeah. Terminator 2. Terminator 2 is amazing. All right. So um, let's jump into our intro. We're already kind of in our intro. but um, So first off, one of the things I want to announce before we jump too far in is that Death, Star, uh, Death Ray Designs has successfully funded their Kickstarter yep. as of about a day or so ago. Um, their goal was $20,000. Um, and the last time I checked, they were a little over twenty-one, twenty-two, somewhere in that range. So congratulations to Austin Thomas of uh, Brush for Hire and uh, his new venture, Death Ray Designs. And we'll be able to see... More of the terrain has been featured in his videos, and more templates, and more counters, and more everything. So, congratulations, guys! You did yeah. it. Um, it looks good too. Yeah, it's it's decent oh, looking terrain. Nice. Um, I'm not a huge fan of all things laser cut, but because they're also painters, they've done a great job of showing what can be done with it. I yeah. Think. So, as opposed to just showing us generic like wooden terrain, that's like, well, you can paint it if you want, like right. Um, if you are a creator of 3D printed terrain and you need someone to paint it, reach out to us. We will gladly paint your stuff. Like we'll work out some kind of deal. Like just mm-hmm. talk to us. We'll figure something out. Um, so that's good with them. Um, for you, this is your first official week as a full-time painter. So yeah. I wanted to kind of check in with you and see how that's going. So you left your job a couple weeks ago. Uh, kind of kind of two weeks ago, and then last week was sort of a soft week for you. Right. So you kind of went in, did a few things, said your goodbyes. Was there any teary goodbyes? No. no, it was actually kind of, <laughs> it was that lunch, so like a lot of people left for lunch, oh. I was like, well, guess I'm heading out, there's only like two <laughs> people left in the office, so I was like, alright. Neither of them looks up, they're like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so it was a little quiet, but that's okay. Did they have a party for you or anything? Like a cake or something? No, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was, I was only there for like a half day, so it was kind of, okay. Yeah. Did you like the last couple of days where you like fuck it? Did you come in with like a t shirt and shorts and shit? <laughs> no, I try to keep it. Actually, I dressed nicer in the last oh, two wow. days. Wow, you felt guilty. Guilt dress. Yeah, I was taking people around to meet okay. meet customers and stuff, so I wanted to look good, professional, and all that. But I've been watching a lot of The Office recently, so yeah, anytime. Me too, actually. Yeah, so any. Well, I think I started <laughs> you back on it because you came in for a reason. But anytime I think of you in that environment, I think of the office. And like, yeah, so which paper. character are you? Are you the? Are yeah. you the? You know, who are you in the? Are you the Jim character? Uh, the, yeah. I don't think I'm cool enough to be Jim. Yeah, Jim's pretty cool. He's a good guy. Um, <laughs> but it's right. been good. Yeah. To answer your original question. Yeah, um, there was a question. Yeah, there. it was. It's been great. So it's been a busy week actually. Kind of hit the ground running. We started with some gold projects, which yeah, pictures right are already up, at least on Brushwork Minis. 
Um, and then the first uh, big army project, really, Dark Angels, um, which we'll get into um, in a minute here. But yeah. yeah, you jumped right. Like we jumped right in with um, with some uh, some of the gold stuff from the Kingdom Death project, mm-hmm. and you did um, the intimacy male and female. They both looked really good. Yeah. Um, and you shot some photos for Brushwork Minis. They looked great. Um, we actually shot some photos for White Metal as well to kind of use them as samples, and uh, all of them looked great. I really liked the way you did the hand. Yeah, because uh, he was so different. Like everything in Kingdom Death seems to be very dark, and this guy was wearing these very garish colors, very bright, kind of a sickly yellow, and it was just—it was a great looking model. Um, he really popped on the table, and um, even like the base, you kind of painted like a shadow around him to kind of make it give it an ominous feel. I just love him. Um, now that I've had some time to sort of play with the Kingdom Death stuff, I, I've been able to appreciate the scale and the look of the models, and it's a good looking game. Like it, yeah. it's, they're pretty good looking models that go together pretty well. I don't love the way that the survivors go together, but I love the options. I love how many options you get. Yeah, and I think that was sort of the price I had to pay with that. But there are some weird places where like legs come together. With yeah, it's not super smooth. Yeah. Um, but it's that being said. I think that the possibilities for how you build your survivors is kind of endless. Like you, oh, could, definitely. you could combine sprues from like anything, really. Like that's the, how it was designed. Yeah. yeah, so you can mix and match any armor kits, any weapons, any yeah. headgear, and it's all very cool. So you jumped in with that, and we'll talk about more about what you've been painting recently uh, on our painting desk. Um, I've been uh, splitting my time between production and. Um, administrative tasks as a small business owner. I didn't think about this, but this has really kind of occurred to me recently, is that as um, White Metal's gotten busier, and certainly part of that is because of, of the success we've seen through uh, through you kind of jumping in and allowing us to tackle more projects, but as White Metal Games has gotten busier, I've kind of had to spend more and more time doing administrative tasks. And some of those are basic tasks like corresponding with clients. Like the, I don't think people realize this, but the average client I'll spend probably... Uh, you know, five or six emails just sort of getting some of the basics out of the way about a project. And then on a, on a big project, like on this Mad Max army I'm working on, my, my ticker on my email counter with him is up to like 65. So we've traded 65 yeah. messages since the project started. Part of that is like updates every week, but part of that is questions that we have to answer and that sort of thing. And that and takes time. And you gotta it's a lot of time. And understand what he's trying to... Right, and that's before a dollar is ever... Not not in that case, but in some cases, like I've got one guy right now that I'm speaking to about an upcoming project. We've traded 16 messages. And I I did the math, and I was like, even if I only spend five minutes in email, from my side, just sending the emails and reading his, let's say I have to do eight of those, well, that's 40 minutes. That's almost an hour. And if I do that with five or six clients a week, that's hours and hours and hours a week that I'm corresponding with clients. That's just on potential clients. That's not even on clients that we're invested in, clients that have actually booked with us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just I just got through doing taxes and all of that mess, and taxes are more complicated now because of the success of White Metal and incorporating that. So, but bottom line is, like, there's just more time. Like, every, every sort of administrative task takes up more time. Um, like, we started a business checking account, finally, so that I can, I can do all of that. But, you know, you have to go to the bank, you have to set it up, you have to sign up for all their online stuff, you have to set up all your deposit programs and all that kind of stuff. And all of that stuff kind of adds up. Or with you know, the podcast, like now we've we've got it finally, we're going to be able to track, track our user base. Um, so, I don't know, it's just interesting to kind of watch how my day has shifted. I'm kind of envious of you, frankly, like where you can kind of get up in the morning and just like, oh, I guess I'll paint our symbol. Yeah. And like my first three or four hours of my day are just corresponding with clients and updating emails or working on design elements for the site or 
stuff that has nothing to do with painting a model. Like a lot of times I don't even pick up a brush till like five or six o'clock. Um, and that's, you know, and on top of that, I'm trying to make the same amount. I, I'm trying to earn an income at this. So it, it's just a lot. It's really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's been what I've been kicking on. Uh, before we jump in on the painting desk, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I wanted to sort of pose you a question. Last time we, last time we did our podcast, we talked about um, the new games that were coming out, all of these little skirmishy mm-hmm. games coming out with GW. So we talked about uh, Death Watch Overkill and Age of Sigmar and um, what was the other one that came out recently before Death Watch? It was the Assassin's game? Uh, not Assassin's, but uh, Assassin's uh, 30K, the Horus Heresy. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. So we didn't actually see a big influx of business from that. We didn't see an influx of business from Age of Sigmar. We haven't seen any business so far from, uh, no one's done any pre-requests on Death Watch. Um, so, you know, I have another, <laughs> this is kind of a long way of getting to, uh, I have a local business store, a local game store called Event Horizon Games, and every once in a while they request demo models, so we paint those up. And we do those for free. Um, so I, he'll bring me, he'll give me product, I'll assemble it and paint it. And then they use them as demo models in the store. And sort of the, the writing on the wall is he will refer business to me, which he does. Like he does refer clients to us on and off throughout the year. But we don't get a lot of business through it. Like not, not a lot of clients come our way. And so I kind of wanted to pose the question whether or not demo models and being on good terms with a game store is a good way to build your business or whether or not is, because he doesn't give me any discounts in store. Like he doesn't like give me any kind of like crazy discounts or anything like that. I've gone in there and taught a few classes for him, but the turnout has been low. And when we've tried to organize clinics, they haven't really gone very well. So it's, you know, what I will say for him is he's reserved an entire shelf of the store for white metal now. So I can literally display anything I want in there. Uh, which will probably be demo models, yeah. which he picked out. So there's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of a, a, a heave and haul. Um, so I don't know. I kind of wanted to chime out there and see what people thought of that, whether it was a good way to build your business. What do you think of that? Personally, I mean, like it I sounds like it's a lot of work and effort for not a whole lot of payout, especially when you've got a business that is as established as yours. I mean, you've got a lot of traffic through your web store. Sure. You've got enough people contacting you. Is it worth it to do these models for free? So a few people might look at it and say, hey, who did this? And well, to put it in context, we only do them about once every year or two. And we don't do a ton. Like in this, Now, this is the biggest demo he's ever had. Um, and I've, I've kind of managed to rein him down because he, he wanted to, like, he, he sent me, like, this list. And I was like, I'm not doing all that. Yeah. I was like, I'll do one st- get started collection per faction, like two for Warhammer and two for 40K. I was like, I'll do that. Because and I, and I convinced him to double up and do demons because they that get, seems like a lot. How much did he send you? Well, it was, it was two get started collections. So okay. it's like so. Let's say um, a get started collection is normally about twenty models. Yeah. So for the Nurgle, for example, the Nurgle collection mm-hmm. was like uh, three swarms. Uh, what do you call what do you call those guys? Three Nurglings, three plague drones, uh, ten plague bears, and a herald. Yeah. So off the top of my head, probably what I would normally charge a client for that at silver tabletop level. Without doing it a lot of math, there five six hundred bucks easy, yeah. you know. So you're talking about a grand worth of work for free. That's a lot, um, but the the ancillary benefit there is like he'll send business our way. So it's a question of how long does it take me to earn that back? Yeah. Um, now we did work it out where I was like every every once in a while I want to update the demo models, and when that happens, what I'd like to do is take the old ones back and sell those for profit. But the problem is with that is what if those models then go out of 
stock or out of production. Mm-hmm. It is a way to get new product that we can use as sample. Like, for example, I've never been requested to have blight drones before. So I'll get the blight drones for free and paint those and can promote those through our site uh, without ever having to have a... They, effectively, they take the role of the client, yeah. and we do it for free. And the pay is the models at the end of the day. So, I don't know. Um, I think that you're probably you're probably right. It's probably too much work. Um, but I, I thought I'd kind of pose the question and see what people yeah. thought about it. So, if you have an opinion about it, feel free to reach out to us, uh, warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Um, all right, well, we're going to take a brief break, and when we jump back in, we'll jump back in with On the Painting Desk, and we'll be right back after this. Let's be honest, you'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into On the Painting Desk. Um... I'm going to let Philip start this one off. I feel like I, I tend to railroad this a little bit. Um, so, Philip, what have you been working on? Well, um, so briefly mentioned this in the earlier segment. Um, so, two just finished up some gold projects, which was great for Kingdom Death. Um, big announcement: Archaon is done. He's done! Yay! <laughs> and he looks He's great. He's massive. Yeah, he is huge. thank you. You brought it in today, and I got to see him. In all of his, his resplendent glory, and he's he's great. Yeah, so we're gonna get some better photos. I got some currently on my Facebook uh, page on Brushwork Minis, but um, hopefully we get some better photos and, uh, and so you can see more of the detail. But uh, yeah, so he is done. Client was happy with him. Did a video uh, of it so he could see the whole thing. The client pay you? Did you get all paid? Not up? yet. Okay. So right. I'm waiting on that before uh, right. before I drive up there and I'm gonna hand deliver it to him. Um, Which is like really nice. That's like super service. Yeah. Well, it's now to be fair, you live in the area. I so. do live in that area. Plus, it's gonna be I don't know the cost to ship that thing. Plus, the risk of it breaking. I just don't want to worry about that. So yeah. I think it's worth it to drive it. Um, but other than that, the new project that I'm working on is the Dark Angels, Angels of Vengeance, uh, which is pretty exciting. I've just built it, gave myself a challenge of three days, Monday through Wednesday, to kind of get it all done. So it was 80 Marines and 10 tanks. 80 Marines and 10 Razorbacks. Yeah. <clears throat> In three days. Now that's, that's a lot. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that, is, lot. that is from the sprue. That's mm-hmm. like, they were on the sprue, in the box, you had clip them, yeah. everything. <laughs> So that's cleaning mold lines, that's assembly. Um, now the good news is, <clears throat> excuse me, because they're all plastic, uh, they go together well. Yeah. And you're very experienced with GW models by now, so. Certainly. So, <clears throat> it was a long, long three days, um, but yeah, so they're all ready to go. They're gonna be hopefully primed today and tomorrow. Nice. And then um, start painting them, so. And the color scheme is like a, it's a sleek, like black metallic, it looks like, at least in the images, yeah. so it's, Angels of Vengeance are basically a Dark Angels successor chapter. Mm -hmm. So they're traditional Dark Angels Marines, but they use... Some of the models have robes, and uh, there's actually some cool stuff that's going to be in the army. Like, one of the things that's cool is that we're going to... We ordered uh, shoulder pads from Chapter House. Uh, We ordered 80 (laughs) of these things. And we're going to sculpt a little bit, and by we, I mean me. I'm going to sculpt a little hood on every single one of the skulls. So, oh, really? uh, yeah, I didn't know you were doing that. I am. <laughs> so that'll be that'll be a good afternoon, good evening's worth of work. Yeah, um, you can always help. I can show you how. Yeah. Um, so uh, that won't be too bad. Um, I mean, really, it just comes down to rolling out the, the 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 medium, and then just sort of putting it on there the right way, and then just smoothing it out a little. It won't be that bad. 
Okay. Like I've, I've sculpted enough you of a lot of experience. I do. Yeah. I so this is know. really more. It's monotonous as shit. Oh yeah. But it's not hard. Um, so really, it comes more down to painting. So yeah. So that's coming up, and you've got um, the test model done. We're going to submit that to the client and mm-hmm. get his feedback, and then kind of go from there. Um, plus, you managed to squeeze in a gold level Ranger Familiar, that's which true. is a, yep. a Reaper figure. Um, Shalidlu, I think, was her name. I think this is the first Reaper. Done. Maybe not. I think we've done some of the RPG the figures. Yeah, okay. you did. You did a gold level commission a few months ago, and some of those were Reaper figures. They're not bad models, but no. they're being pewter. Unfortunately, some of the mold lines are really difficult to get off. I will say they are, but I like the detail in pewter. Like mm-hmm. I like, I like how crisp it comes out. So I will say that Reaper, and one of the things I love about Reaper is that um, they continue to put out new models all the time. When I was in the store the other day picking up stuff, I saw a couple models that I had never seen before. Yeah. And every time I go to their site, there's a model I've never seen before. And it's kind of not a problem because I don't spend a lot. I'm, I'm pretty good about not buying, but uh, it could be a problem <laughs> if yeah. I let it get out of control. Um, well, um, on my desk uh, currently, I'm still working on the Mad Max projects. The first army is supposed to be done this week. Um, I'm actually a week behind. so I'm, I'm... The problem was scheduling two back-to-back armies was... A real headache, and the second army required a lot of assembly. Every model was kind of custom, so it's a lot. I mean, I go it's into your lot. studio and there's buggies everywhere. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming. Uh, fortunately, it's spring now, so the weather's kind of gotten better. So I was able to prime a lot of them outside, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, I did kind of learn an interesting lesson with the first army because I was uh, I was using a salt weathering technique on the first four vehicles, which is pretty good for the most part, except for the fact that the salts leave behind this kind of kind of crystal effect and they kind of sparkle a little bit so I'm going to have to sort of revise that for the next army I don't know do you think if you use more like I know you said you used a brush but what if it was like more like I don't want to say not maybe steel wool but something that was rougher to get it off like maybe I mean the brush I was using was not a toothbrush it was a cleaning brush it was designed now it wasn't steel wool right and it wasn't like it wasn't like steel fiber but it was it was it was a good brush um, one of the things I don't want to do is like I, you know, I have like a wire brush I use for cleaning when there's something hard, but I don't want to scratch the model. Yeah, you know, so I mean, it's kind of like a, a fine line. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, worst case scenario, I can always prime over if I have to and, and sort of redo the rust. The rust doesn't take long, but I don't want to do that. What I want to do is just move forward because I like the organic look. Um, but one of the things you don't think about when you're doing salt is that uh, salt actually blankets really well. And what I wanted was I wanted some rust coming through, but not a lot of rust coming through. So I think the better solution might have been to have primed the model and then applied rust as kind of like a weathering technique instead of a salt weathering technique. Just sort of like sponge it on in places, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say like a wet sponge. Yeah, wet sponge, but something like that. Foam. Or like spray it through like gauze or a pad or something. Something where there's some thinness to it, like cheesecloth, maybe. So I may try that for the next grouping. Um, that's the nice thing about having back-to-back armies is you can kind of learn from yeah. the first one and be like, all right, well, what, what worked here? What didn't work here? One thing I've actually been trying to use recently um, is actually the uh, uh, fabric softener. Yeah. One that's done after you use it in a dryer, it kind of thins it out a little bit, and you can, I tried airbrushing through it. Like a dryer sheet? Yeah. The dryer oh, sheet, yeah. Nice. So I gave that a try. It's okay. it's hard. It's I mean... It actually surprisingly does not allow as much paint as you would think through it. Yeah. Um, so I've tried tearing it up a little bit, and it, I mean, you can get some effects out of it. Yeah. But if you're looking for like a light pattern, not even a pattern, just some random effects, it actually mm-hmm. is pretty good for that. Yeah, I got the idea for using a gauze pad because I read um, on a salt tutorial the guy was shooting through gauze, and he was like, this is packaging material on an iPhone. And I don't have that anymore, but I imagine that it's like anything, you have to kind of find 
knickknacks here and mm-hmm. there that apply. So I'll do some digging around and see what works. But um, you know, fortunately, like the army, this army only has four vehicles, and um, I still have to go over it with my detail work. So plenty of work left to do. Uh, but on the second army, that one's getting primed up at the moment. I'm doing the test figures, and then I'll jump into that one next week. Um, fortunately, because the first projects wound down, I've been able to wind up on a few new projects. One of the new projects coming to the desk is these. Um, uh, a Nurgle client has requested some custom demons. I think I touched on this last time, but I was finally able to do the, the Beatles this weekend and uh, kind of build those up. And I forgot how much I like scratch building, mm. like how much I just love starting with something from scratch. And like like these, like I used a few GW, well, it was a lot of GW parts, but there were parts from all these different ranges. It was parts from like the Tyranid range and the Chaos range and the wings were like from a, a toy and so it's just a mix and match yeah. which yeah, they look really fantastic like. when I saw them I couldn't, fun. you couldn't really easily pick out like where it came right. from and that took some time it took a lot of time to sort of play with bits and, and that's why I rarely throw anything away like the mouth ended up being the upper torso tail section from Hive Tyrants that when you build a flying Hive Tyrant you have this uh, upper tail that you can't use for anything else it comes with two and it's mm-hmm. kind of a useless bit. It's like, I don't really know what to, I've tried it on different stuff before. I've used it for, like, zoanthropes in the past, sort of. But it, it's kind of useless. Uh, but in this case, it was sort of perfect to create this open mouth. And I was like, you know, you just have to kind of look at a bit a new way. Yeah. So although it took longer than I would have liked to sort of, to sort of build, once I figured the head out, everything else kind of fell into place. And I was like, now I've got it. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate that. It was, it was a fun-looking model. And there'll be more of those to follow. We're going to be doing some Nurgle... Um, sort of Slaneshi, what do you call those girls? Uh, we're going to be some doing some Nurgle themed Dinettes yeah. and some Nurgle themed horrors, and so those will be a lot of fun. So some sexy Nurgle. Well, <laughs> he's actually he wants them to look like they're called the attendants in the garden um, or the Nurgle. So apparently Nurgle has gardens. Yeah, they do, which and, is just so disturbing. Yeah, yeah, and they look like these weird blends of like a demonette and um, a dryad. So I think what we did is we picked up a box of. Um, I think that's what we did. I think I picked up a box of demonets and a box of dryads. Either that, or I picked up a box of plague bears and dryads. I don't remember which, but one of them. And so there'll be kind of a weird mismatch. So the only thing that's sad about this project is he's not paying us to paint them. He's just paying us to, to build them, no. which is why I don't have you in it because like it's just an assembly project and it's all conversions. So um, he's going to paint them, or he's going to paint them. Yeah. Okay. So you know we do that occasionally for clients. We do an assembly only quote, but it's rare. It's getting rarer. Um, as our portfolio builds, people don't have the same reasons to say no anymore. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a brief break, and when we get back, we're going to jump into our um, rotating segment for the for the week, and we'll be right back after this. Need a model assembled or painted, but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our special spotlights for the night. That was going to be our rotating segment this evening. And um, it's spring, finally. Winter is... Um, is it winter, winter officially over? It should be. It's mid-March. I believe so. All right. 
So I think we've burned our last fire for the year. I don't think we have wood, but it's not. It might get cold again. I'm hoping not. It's nice and warm now. It's really nice. It's supposed to be daylight savings time. I think Saturday, Sunday. Really? Yeah. So we're going forward now. Um, Could you spring ahead? Yeah. Yeah. We lose an hour of sleep, but at least it doesn't get dark until. Well, regardless, which spring is here, so it's spring cleaning time. And I thought now would be a really good time to sort of talk about consignment and um, what we offer through consignment. And I'm going to give you the really short sort of pitch here. So most war gamers, um, let's be honest, you buy more than you play and you buy more than you pay. Oh, yes. oh definitely. Everybody, right? <laughs> like uh, I, I asked you if you had some extra Marines the other day and you supplied 10 without even blinking an eye. Yeah. Like, I just got, I just have extra. On Marines. the spree still. On like, the spree. Yeah, I had yeah. <laughs> And everybody does that. Lots of people have tons of different stuff in their garage that they're just not, they're not using. So if you're tired of holding on to it, if you don't, if it's taking up space in your house, if your wife is getting on your back, consign it. Uh, basically, the way the consignment program works at White Metal Games is you send us your models. We ask you to declare a value of your models, what you think they're worth, so to speak. Um, and that kind of acts like a, a reserve, basically. Mm-hmm. If you don't tell us what they're worth, we'll research it and we'll tell you what they're worth. Uh, and then we post it on eBay and we sell it. Um, the advantages to using consignment through white metal as opposed to selling it yourself uh, include hassle. You don't have to ship it to clients. You don't have to take photos. You don't have to list it. You don't have to do anything on eBay. You just send us your stuff. Um, obviously, you have to wrap it securely, but you don't have to worry about will it get to the client securely? Will it arrive damaged? Uh, especially if it's nicely painted, like you want to mm-hmm. sort of ensure that it gets there safely. We take all the pictures that we list on eBay with our HD cameras. These are 1920 by 1080p, so it's a really nice, clean-looking image. Um, we uh, we take the time to research your product, figure out what it's going for, like what it compares to other product to, and then we list it for a fair price. Um, so we don't set it up at like a crazy high rate. We don't set it too low. We set it where it should be. Mm-hmm. If you have a really nicely painted tank and they go for 50 bucks. We go a little bit higher than that, so we can negotiate down to 50, and that's how it works. And we do a 55-45 split for those things. Um, so most of the time, if that tank sells for $100, you make 55 bucks. So $55 for no hassle, no worries, no stress, I think it's a pretty good trade. Especially when you value in yeah. eBay fees and all that, shipping right. fees and all that. That's the thing, right? It's like I lose a lot of money through eBay fees, my time. Really, you're, you're paying me kind of labor is what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. I really The money I make is really invested in labor. Uh, which is, you know, for me, kind of a, uh, you know, just part of my job. Um, but by the time it's all said and done, I pay for shipping materials and fees through PayPal, fees through eBay. You know, God forbid there'd be like a return or something like that. Really, you're paying me to just do the work. So this is a great program if you're busy. Uh, we also have a trade-in buyback program. And the way those work is that instead of consigning, you send us in stuff. And what we do is we will offer to either pay you cash or we will pay you a credit value. And you can turn around and use that credit value to commission new models, to um, buy product in our store, like our eBay store. So really, you use it like a credit. And um, if you keep it in-house with us, rather than getting money, we actually offer you more credit than if the value is worth. So let's say that we were offering you $20 for a box of models. We may offer you $25 at in-store credit, or $30, or whatever it is, depending on the quality of the model you're sending us. Um, we have a, a pilot program that we're kind of launching. So if you're interested in doing that this spring or anytime soon, just email me at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com or info at whitemetalgames.com, and I'll be sure to send you a list to our uh, a listing of our consignment and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's basically it. You know, time to get rid of some of that old stuff in your in your on your shelf that you're not using anything with. Everybody has something that they don't really Definitely. need that they bought on a lark. 
you know, Kickstarter. If there's one thing that we know from Kickstarter, it's people can they can sucker you in, man. They can they can kickstart a program, but that doesn't necessarily mean they can support a game. Um, like Soda Pop had a game that came out a little while ago. Yeah. Um, we sold. One guy came in and he had like kickstarted the shit out of that game, and he he got brought us so much Soda Pop miniatures, and we sold all of them. We had a hundred percent clearance rate on that. So yeah, absolutely. Like if you've got a little Kickstarter stuff that you're not doing anything with, man, bring it in. Um, so you can ship it to us securely, and then we will take care of the rest. So check it out, whitemetalgames.com. Under the services tab, look for consignment, uh, or email us at info at whitemetalgames.com, and we'll send you all the necessary documents. Um, so that's about it. We're going to take a brief break, and when we jump back in, we're going to be talking to Nate of Vendica, and we're going to speak with him about his new platform, uh, named Vendica, of course, and talk about all of the, the fun that a third-party bartering program can have. We'll be right back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, We're going to jump into tips on technique tonight, and tonight we have uh, an interview with Nate of Vindica. Uh, Vindica is a new upcoming service or platform or uh, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, so that's why we have Nate on the line tonight. So, Nate, thank you for being on the show with us. Thanks for having me. So, first off, just to kind of kick things off, what does Vindica mean? What does it stand for? Uh, so, so, so the name Vindica was actually born out of frustration of trying to find a company name. Uh, back uh, before we were what we are, we had a very different model, and I was looking for you know company names that hadn't been taken that were you know, had to do with our model. Okay. Um, and all so of them were taken, so I just said, you know, screw this, I'm going off map, I'm going to start looking up Latin words. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a, a, basically it means to, to liberate. That's nice, I like that. It's nice, okay. nice and universally nice. applicable, which is nice. <laughs> it's easily rememberable. I mean, I think, Certainly. like, I, the name kind of, like, feels right for the service, and, uh, like, I, I don't know, I kind of think of Vindicate. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah, definitely not a play on Vindicator or anything like that. Right, 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 right. Um, so clearly, you know, you're you're a gamer, like based on not only what the platform is, but you know, the little that little joke right there is definitely a 40k themed joke, I think, for the most part. <laughs> so, are are you? Do you have a background in gaming? Were you are you a geek by, at heart, or like are you like uh, an entrepreneur that got into gaming? Or why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe how you got started and how this this platform arose? So I had, I mean, my, I, I guess my, my gaming history goes back, I, I guess, to high school when we were sitting around a friend's kitchen table, you know, role-playing. Um, but I didn't get into tabletop stuff until, like, 2010. Um, a buddy of mine, Buck, introduced me to this weird game called 40K, and Dark Eldar had just come out, and they were really awesome to me, so it's... It, it's only been like five years since I've been in tabletop gaming. I was going to say, 2010, gaming. yeah, that's not that long. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Compared to most people my age who are playing, I've been right. playing a, a, a pretty short like I started amount. playing in the, in the early 90s, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I came about, you know, 5th uh, edition, so. Okay, nice. Yeah. So you were well into the good phases of the game by that point. 5th was, was a pretty good edition. 4th was a good edition. Especially Dark Eldar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I remember getting ruled by Dark Eldar back in the day. Yeah, not, um, not so much. All right, so you jumped into 40K, and what made you make the leap from playing 40K to wanting to kind of create this 
trade platform specifically for, I, I guess, war gamers. But um, but but it seems kind of engineered for sort of for that. Like, wh- how did you expand that gap? So uh, really, um, I was looking for a uh, a business model around this this concept this. Uh, this multi-party transaction concept, and I was so buried in, you know, finding a place to to park this technology, and you know I hadn't visited my gaming group in a while, and I went back, and uh, it you know having a conversation with uh, with one of the guys who, who games with us, he was like, dude, you're staring at your at your you know ideal market right here, like make this for freaking gamers, and I I kind of felt like an idiot for not uh, noticing it earlier. But uh, but serving the the wargaming miniatures community just seemed like sure. such an obvious step at that point, and then we started going out at full bore. I mean, there's I, I see a lot of sites like on Facebook that are sort of swap meaty sites, and people will be like, "I have this, we you know, you know, PM me offers or send me right. your best and, offers or whatever." Yeah. So and a lot of, sometimes that's sketchy. It's hardly Craigslist. Not that Craigslist is even necessarily not sketchy. Like. Yeah, there are, out there, but... there are a ton of companies out there that are basically, <laughs> um, you know, there's like OfferUp and Craigslist type um, companies. I think basically... the, price, the price of wargaming material is so high, it's such a premium that people tend to buy and sell almost like stocks. Like you can buy it, but then you've got to sell it to like make ends meet some months. And it's just, it's crazy. Like it's, it's just insane. And I, I've built an entire business around it like around you know selling premium products and like painting them and stuff and so there's money to be made in the wargaming industry i think you've, you've clearly sort of glammed onto that a little bit um but it seems like the implications here is this platform is could be bigger than that um like this is this seems like is this kind of like a testing ground for like a bigger thing or so it, it kind of depends on on where the users take us i mean this the nature of it is you could trade Anything for anything, basically. This, this, you know, you could put your your bike on there. You know, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Um, but we, the wargaming market was such a good one and such an obvious one and a very underserved one, as as far as I'm concerned. Um, and there was no real outlet to, you know, I guess, uh, to trade your stuff on a, you know, a, on a platform that was built for I guess 21st century because we're sure. we're looking at you know forum based sites that are you know circa 1995 and that's basically what the wargaming community has yeah so that's fair but you know like I don't, I don't want to uh, stray too too much but, um, but yeah uh, it, there's nothing stopping this thing from growing organically to other things but we expect that it'll stay at least in the beginning in the 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 all of nerddom, as we're calling it. Uh, so, uh, you know, gamers, collectors, comic book fans, things like that. Sure. So why don't you walk us through the basic platform? Like, why don't you kind of give us a, I guess, a 360 view of, like, what Vindica is, how, what is it, how does it work? You know, maybe kind of, we'll maybe take us through a hypothetical trade. Uh, and, just, and just kind of give us, like, how, how, does, how does the machine work? Sure. So I guess I'll start with what we currently have, and that is one-for-one trades. So you would go on to Craigslist or any, you know, there's a, a couple subreddits that you can go on to and trade minis uh, as well. You'd say, you know, I have all these you know, Dark Angels, and I want uh, Dark Eldar or whatever. 
and you would wait for somebody to come along who meets that criteria and then you would negotiate you know that's that's kind of a tedious pain in the ass um it could be a very slow process yeah yeah so we wanted to bring that process you know up to date basically so what it is now so instead of listing all this stuff text wise uh, we're providing a platform where you can actually you know take some some pictures of your models list them and basically shop all the other people's stuff and select what you want so let's say i listed one of my ravagers um and i uh, i wanted to get into tyranids so i selected you know a bunch of tyranid units that i would like to trade for it um and then at that point the algorithm kind of kicks in and takes over and says okay well does this person with these tyranid units want to trade for this ravager no all right well then we'll look for three party and then we'll look for four party trades and five party trades so it's kind of an if then scenario what's that it's kind of an if then thing like if this person doesn't then we move to the next if this person will that, kind of something like that. I mean, I'm not a mathematician at all. Right. So, yeah. So you've got this entire community of people saying, I want this for that. And then as those declarations are made, these trade loops organically form. And we all we do is we recognize when that happens and notify the parties involved and give you a uh, basically a, a printable shipping label that you can just slap on a box and send it off. That's really cool. That's really that's pretty great, actually. Um, I didn't even think about the implications of shipping, but yeah. Well, how big can these loops get? Uh, well, I'm not a um, a technical guy by any uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I did learn just enough PHP to get the algorithm down on paper. And the way it works works right now is it iterates out to infinity, basically. So you could have wow. <laughs> you know a fifty node trade loop where. Okay. Well, I guess the obvious question is, like, what happens when, like, let's say you get, you know, let's not go 50, let's say four. Like, there's a four trade node, and just one of those people fucks it up somehow. They don't ship, they cancel, they do whatever. But at that point, people have already started mailing out stuff. Like, how does that work? Right, and so, who's, yeah. Who's deemed <laughs> responsible for that? Or, or to play it another way, let's say everybody ships everything, but some stuff arrives damaged. Like, how does that play out? Right. So in the, so I'll give you kind of two answers. So, so the long-term vision is we handle that primarily through a user rating system. Okay. Uh, where it, it's, very, it's very Uber-like, where after you're done with every transaction, you rate the person who, who sent you your stuff. Okay. That and that sense. should kind of take care of most of the issues. Obviously, since we're a new platform, we can't really do that because nobody's used it yet. Right. You got um, so yeah. we're kind of encouraging people to start small, you know, uh, don't ship an entire army doing this. Yeah. Um, start with like a small trade. like Right, small trade, guys. and yeah. if there are issues, we're going to be and when I say we, I mean me, I will be uh, personally investigating all of these um, issues that people have. So say somebody didn't ship or they're taking advantage of the system. Um, I'll be doing that, and if it if we do find that somebody did misuse it, then we will be compensating the wronged uh, party and bringing down the ban hammer on the other person. What what stops somebody from just creating a new account then? What's that? What would stop someone from creating a new account if you just ban somebody for you know not shipping or breaking the rules essentially? Like creating a dummy account, I think is what he's talking about. 
Got gotcha. So so there are more like yeah. So we associate the the accounts with email addresses. We can obviously just create another email address. Sure. Uh, but we can do other things, IP address, things like that, that are a little bit more sophisticated. Or can... even stuff like if you require sensitive information like a social security number or like a yeah. shipping address would be a Day great birth. Well, like people are gonna they're gonna ship somewhere. Like yeah. it has to go somewhere. Right. I mean, we're gonna have all all these data points that we can check. Yeah. So if we know that. A person, like you said, was at this shipping address. Then we can kind of raise a flag and say, "Hey, what's going on here?" Um, so, in theory, there are ways people could fuck it over. But for the most part, you're hoping that at first people will play nice and that, you know, that that's kind of how that'll go. Which sounds like a you know a good start. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much you could do in the very beginning like that. Right. Perfect. Uh, it actually kind of reminds me of eBay a little bit because you you have a feedback system and. Yep. At first, like you kind of are encouraged to buy a couple small things here and there, just to kind of start to build a little feedback, so people will will see that you're not just a faker, like that you're not just there to like penalize stuff. Um, yeah. Because when your feedback score gets, you know, I don't know, over like fifty, like I, I think I even have mindset that I don't even sell the people below like a certain feedback score, like fifty or something. Yeah. Like they have to, they have to have proved that they they are not a robot. You know, they have to have bought a few things before yeah. I'll even start to trust them. Well, what about, um, so one of the things you did ask, item arrives damaged. So that's not someone specifically, they didn't do something intentionally. Right. They just, it was an error or shipping, whoever handled it just through the box. I mean, miniatures are, are, are yeah, they're, they're, they we ship yeah. all the time. I mean, we ship, you know, dozens of models a week. And while breaks are not common, they're, it's practically impossible to avoid them entirely. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, these models are delicate. They're resin, they're pewter, they're heavy, or they're fragile. I mean... Is there like a disclaimer for for these uh, accounts of the? Yeah, I would say that I, I would be surprised if you guys would take responsibility for that because that doesn't seem like that's something you could prevent. That seems like you know buyer beware kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Dam I mean, damaged goods are are kind of a, a tricky thing because as the platform, you're 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 definitely going to get blamed for some of it sure. for for being the middleman. Right. Um. But but we're actually working on the uh, the the terms of service now, which you kind of have to have in place in order to protect the users and yourself. So it's, it's, it's a delicate line. <laughs> well, that makes sense. But yeah, you obviously don't want to just completely disregard uh, the satisfaction of your users. So it's something you have to take into account. Well, I think you'll have a pretty big user base. So <laughs> yeah. Have you guys ever considered, I don't know, this may get more, be really expensive, but at a certain size, like, I don't know, I guess I would imagine maybe doing it where everyone ship things into you, possibly, and then you ship them out. That way you can guarantee people are getting the product they're asking for and all that. But so that sounds like that'd be a huge hassle. That sounds like that'd be a big, yeah. It would be difficult. they kind of act like quality control, I guess. But yeah. That'd be a big operation. You'd have to, obviously, you couldn't do it this size, but um, I don't know. Because you guys, I mean, I guess one question is, what is there a geographic limit to this? Like, will I be trading with people in Japan or Russia, or will I be trading with people in my state? Or, yeah, you know, how does that work out? So there is. So we're launching in the United States first. Okay. But there really is no limit to what, I mean, where you can shop from. I mean, you could definitely buy or trade for uh, some some models in Japan or you know Germany, Austria, whatever. Um, and that obviously has an effect on the shipping costs. So, you know, that's kind of uh, goes into another aspect of the platform is those shipping costs are included in your, you know, the quote unquote shopping process. So you'll know it'll cost X amount to ship 
this item to you. That's awesome. But it will be, it will be, we're aiming for global eventually. So will they, because I, I do a lot of shipping and I ship through various accounts, but, um, you know, will they like pay money into an account that they kind of, you kind of hold as like a shipping service or something, or will they just, it will be kind of like a one-time transfer fee or something like that? So it'll actually be uh, kind of both. So we're, we're planning on, on being you being able to buy kind of bulk uh, shipping funds sure. uh, into your account just because that, that lowers the cost for everyone. You know, for every transfer, you're, playing, you're, you're paying about 3%. We want to lo- lower that as much as possible. Yeah, um, and then you also have the you know just pay as you go type shipping, which is a little bit more expensive, um, just because of you know if you're using PayPal or your credit card or whatever they charge that service fee. Is it kind of like because eBay does something similar where you can buy shipping labels through eBay and it's like they're a discounted price? Yeah, yeah. they Is that kind of how it works with you guys? Uh, say that again. You're you're fading away a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm gonna make this a little closer to me. So eBay will do something where they like you can buy shipping labels through them once you've finalized the bid, um, and it's cheaper because you're buying it through them. So is that something that you guys kind of have arranged too? Well, there's a couple different ways that that I think eBay can save money that we can't yet. Um, they, they're able to buy, you know, this shipping in bulk so they can get a discount there. Um, but we want to incentivize people to basically prepay for all of their shipping, say buy $50 of shipping at a time, and we'll give you X amount discount because it gives both of us a break on the service fees associated with you know your credit card or, or PayPal or whoever. We just don't have the volume that eBay has, for example, right. sure. so we can't get any, any you know, economies of scale going uh, for, for stuff like that. So, um, I mean, that sounds great. Why don't we talk about the platform a little bit? So, what is... Who so I guess you know it's hard for me to ask the right questions because I'm not that kind of guy. But who designed the platform and like what is your relationship with them? Is this like a friend of yours that like you go to MIT or something? Like who designed your algorithm? And you know I, I guess kind of like how's the, the nuts and bolts of how this thing kind of came together? Okay, so I had this concept a while back and I didn't know any code. So I like I said I learned enough code just to get the algorithm that was in my head down on a keyboard. Okay. And then I brought on uh, Eddie, my my software engineer, to kind of, you know, be the adult in the room as far as the the code base goes. Uh, so he's part of the team now. And as far as the design goes, um, so everything you see or you will see in the platform uh, that's that's coming out here in a couple weeks uh, was designed by a guy named Ed Moore. So I've got an Ed and an Eddie. And Ed is, has his own. Uh, he's he's a freelance design guy. Uh, works with a company called Amped UX, and that is kind of where the. I don't, I don't know if you guys are looking at the uh, at the stuff right now, but that's where all the the visualization stuff came from. Was all his work. Eddie and I aren't aren't design guys at all, so we brought him on board. Sure, I love the way. Like I'm looking at your site right now, and. The first thing I notice is that it seems like this is completely designed for, you know, it's it's it looks like it's been completely designed for a phone app. Like, I mean, everything about this, you know, every every time there's a screenshot, it's from a phone. Right. So, that's yep. Okay. So, I mean, will you still be able to use this? Uh, I guess from a from a desktop or from a PC or whatever, or is it like you know strictly like it's going to be a phone app? 
Yeah, so what we're doing is, so basically the, the app will be able to, so everything you see on the app will be accessible from a desktop as well. So we'll, we'll have both. There, the, the functionality might be a little bit more watered down on the desktop, but it will yeah. be available. So how long ago did you guys start this out? Like how, when did this idea first come to you? The, well, the multi-party trade thing has been on my brain for about nine months. Okay. And, and not, I didn't really yeah, learn enough to, to really do anything about it until maybe August of last year. That's amazing. Like, I was expecting you to say something like, oh, a few years. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> less than a year. That's really great. I think yeah, it's you been, sent out the promo. It's, it's been fun. Yeah, that's really cool. I saw the promotional thing because I, I was the one that introduced Caleb to, I, I saw, I think, an ad for you guys back, I want to say it was, like, maybe December. It something was like that. Christmas, I yeah. think, for the free Imperial Night and all, or, yeah, know, yeah. chance to win. Um but yeah, that, that's fast. So August, you learn how to do it, and then basically you guys start promoting. Like, generally, I think most businesses take, I would imagine, at least a couple years. So, you guys are cranking it out. <laughs> it's been well. I mean, for for a quote unquote tech startup, we're we're actually moving very very slow. <laughs> oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So that shows how much we know about that. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't even know what, what qualifies a business as a tech startup. I don't. I don't think it's. I think ju it's just a nonsense term that people apply to things. It's, oh, okay. it's very in vogue to be a tech startup now, so everyone's calling themselves that. Well, I'm definitely not in vogue. Uh, so it, on your website it says pre-beta registration is closed, but now you're going into open beta. Mm -hmm. So what? Uh, how is open beta different than? I guess, what does open beta mean? Does that mean it's still so a op test? Kind so of, open, it... open beta is when we are planning to launch the first functional version of the app and the website. Okay. Pre-beta was basically for everyone who signed up really, really early. Um, so now they have access to the, um, to, the, to the browser version, to the desktop version, basically just to poke holes in our code base. And all of our pre-beta users really did a great job of noticing everything we did wrong and gave us a lot of stuff to fix. So that's kind of the, the basic difference there. Okay, nice. So it's kind of like a, another trial run. Like you took your first shot, that worked out okay. Or well, how did that work out? How was the, the pre-beta? So we're, I, I mean, we're still in pre-beta, I guess. Oh, okay. um, and that, that was really good. I mean, it, it gave us a little bit of confirmation that people, yeah, they are willing to get on the platform and, and use it. People want this thing to happen. Um, but, you know, right now they just can't do much with the pre-beta platform. Right. Um, it, you know, it, like I said, it was basically meant to poke holes in our data. Like, we had some really, really bad uh, uh, bugs that were found. Like, apparently, if you <laughs> uh, you know, hit um, if you hit the, uh, you know, get it button, you know, add to my want list uh, button, that did something in our database that switched ownership of that item to the person who didn't actually own it. So just, you know, catastrophic failure items like that needed to be found. Well, that's why you have a beta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was the biggest trade you saw in pre-beta? Or the biggest node, I guess? We, yeah, we actually haven't... Um, plugged in the logic yet, so we're we're turning on the the trade loop logic when we go to open beta. Oh, okay. So that's really where 
you know, that's where I'm expecting to see the fireworks kind of like, right. it'll either, you know, that, that'll be, I think, where you'll get your best information, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'll be... That'll, that'll be an interesting learning experience when we go live. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff we didn't see coming. Sure. So when is open beta? Is that starting four days, this? Four days from now. Oh, okay. Four I was assuming. So that's not the official launch. That's still beta testing, is it? Right. So it'll be open to everyone at that point. So we plan on having the app out there and, and available. But, you know, with the beta disclaimer that says, hey, we might suck a little bit, but please bear with us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you will actually be able to trade. It's not just testing yep. still. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. We will be functional, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Um, I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, yeah. So I guess we should sort of put this kind of out there. Like, we're recording this on the 10th of March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This uh, The beta goes live on, uh, I don't know, what is it, the 14th of March? Or the 15th of March? It's, well, yeah, yeah, right now we're counting down to the 15th. Okay. Um, but you know, yeah, code bases are finicky, so it, <laughs> we're we're aiming from the fifteenth to the twentieth. How many people are on your design team? Like, how many guys do you have sort of working with you, or or girls, or whoever? It's uh, it's actually just three of us. So it's me, Ed, and Eddie right now. Nice. Yeah. Um, are you guys planning to do any sort of like I don't know social media to kind of help promote it as you guys launch, or because I think we first found out about this maybe how did you find out through Bell? I feel like maybe through Bell. No, I found out through Facebook. Okay. Yeah, we're doing primarily Facebook um, right now, but we, you know, obviously going to ramp all that stuff up once we have something for people to use. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's kind of a quiet open right now. It's like right, right. We're basically like just software. gathering early interest yeah. right now. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Cool. All right. Well, I for one, I'm very excited to see how where it goes. Like, I, I, I think it's a really cool idea. I, I think that I don't know what a tech startup looks like, but if this is what it looks like, I think that this could, this, this could go really far. Um, like I, think, I think it's a really cool idea, and somewhere on your site you mentioned like, um, and then I'll actually quote you directly, but a group-driven bartering site. Yep. You know, and that's for war gamers, but I think that that could really apply to just about anything. Like yeah, it is pretty universally applicable. Um, yeah. The trouble is, and there are these other barter sites out there that try to be the the everything. Yeah. And and almost all of them are, are just terrible. Yeah. Because you've got people basically just listing their junk um, and trying to get going with that. So we... we you know, that's a good yeah. point. By, by limiting the, the user database to sort of like a specific type of need, like I'll, I'll use comic books as an example. Like a comic book collector, if you had a comic book version of this site, that would be great because then people could go on there specifically just for comic books and that's a, that's a hard commodity they can trade. Right. Versus, like, if I add in, like, my action figure collection or something like that. You're right. Like, it gets money fast. Um, so I see your point there. That's cool. How will um, how will cost work? So I know you can pay for, like, shipping and things, but um, is there, like, a sign-up fee? Do you pay a subscription? How does that work? So it's, it's free to sign up. Uh, there's no subscription. But in the future, uh, especially when we look to get more functionality, um we're looking at doing subscription models that have a little bit more powerful functionality and those are going to be for the power users and we don't expect many of them to sign up but we've got some really cool things kind of planned out um, for, for those users. Cool. Uh, but, yeah, uh, but for the monetization thing, it's uh, the most basic thing we're doing is just uh, attaching a service fee to the shipping okay. cost. You know, just out of curiosity because Philip mentioned value and that, that kind of made me think about this. Um, I don't know. Let's do a hypothetical trade. 
let's say I have um, 10, 10 tactical Marines, uh, you know, I, and we'll, we'll say, you know, we'll, we'll call them used because new in box is easier to assign a value to. So let's we'll say there are 10 tactical Marines and they're not painted, they're unpainted. Uh, how do, and I'm willing to trade that for, I don't know, I'll pick an item, um, uh, 20 work boys. I'm willing to trade them for 20 work boys. What if people look at that trade and they kind of go like, how do you assign the values to those? Like, because what I think of as being valuable might not be what you think of as valuable. Or what I think of as a high quality paint job, maybe you don't think of as a high quality paint job. Or certain items have a high dollar value, but they may not have a high retrade value because maybe their their in-game functionality isn't great. Um, like Eldar, do you use Dark Eldar as an example? Mandrix are a good example of this. I think right. called yeah. Like they're not a very functional unit in game, generally, you know, gamers who play competitively don't use them whether or not you, I love the aesthetic of the model but they're not generally considered a competitive piece as a rule of thumb right. um, but they look great and it's hard to not argue the value of in terms of the aesthetic or the or the cost like I can look it up look it up on GW's website and be like here's what it costs so how is that determined is that just determined by the user like so that's is- so that's actually one strength uh, I think of the platform is it it doesn't have this concrete notion of value. The uh, it's it's got a very subjective notion of value. Okay. Um, so uh, I'll I'll take this out of the wargaming world and put it in the Craigslist world. Um, are you familiar with the red paperclip story? I am not. But so please tell it to me. <laughs> guy uh, Kyle McSomething uh, a while back uh, traded one red paperclip. I think it was through fourteen trades. He traded up to a house. And he did this on Craigslist, and he's made a, like, an entire career of talking like about this, this. I've heard like the car trade stories. But... Right, right. Yeah, yeah, like Barter Kings or something like that. And that's all due to the subjective theory of value. So if we attach that to, you know, that red paper story to uh, wargaming, you know, you, all of a sudden you might be able to, I don't know, trade, um, you know, turn it into the the red homunculus story or something like that where sure. you trade up up to something and then up to something else and up to something else and then all of a sudden you've got a bane blade but doesn't um, that all preclude and i have not heard the red paperclip story but my guess is that at some point between those 14 steps someone gave him something far more valuable than he had like there had to be kind of a like i don't know a red paperclip is worthless so let's assume one of the early trades was something semi-useful like i don't know uh, a notebook or something like that. Something that actually has value that I can assign to it. Right. Like there, there must have been a, a jump at some point along the line. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure of the actual value sure, sure, in sure. jump that he took, but, but right. the idea is that there's enough, there's enough play and wiggle room in, sure. in subjective value okay. that you I can see. kind of work your way up incrementally. What I want for something, maybe I may be willing to give you more than someone else is willing to give you for it. Right. That makes sense. Are you willing? Are you able to, I guess, renegotiate what you're trading? So, like, say you have like a hundred Space Marines, and you're in the end, the person that's going to trade to you only is going to give you maybe like half of what you value that at. Are you able to change? What I, you I guess you know. And to expand on that question, is there a negotiation between the users, or is it more a straight value? Like, and not to use value objectively, but more like. This is what I have. This is what I want. Like, or is there a more open dynamic where you could, like, like let's say a, a, a trade versus a one-on-one trade? Like, would we be able to negotiate back and forth? Oh yeah, yeah. Like on a on a one-to-one. Sure. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we are <clears throat> at least at least uh, in, in these beginning stages, we're keeping everything out in the open. Uh, so you can have those conversations within the items page. So if you want to negotiate a one-for-one, -one, then great, you can do that. Um, otherwise, there's no, I mean, there's no real risk, uh, and this is going back, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds or so, but there's no real risk um, of you getting something that's far less valuable than what you have, at least not not to you, because sure. you need to declare that you think that this leg of the transaction is fair. I see. Okay. That's interesting. That's a smart way to basically let them figure out how to do it. Yeah, it seems like you guys have really done your homework. Like every question we've had today, you've had a good answer for. seems like you guys have really thought this out. So at the very least, you know, if problems creep up, I think that they're going to be predictable problems or stuff that you guys can handle because it looks like you've, you've really laid a good foundation. Well, people, yeah, people generally have a lot of questions about this, about the whole system when I talk about it because it's, kind of, it's kind of out there. It's, it's kind of new. It's kind of a new concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I don't think trading is a new concept, but I think trading specifically this way is definitely right. a new yeah, concept. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, a, a flea market flip or something like that. Like, yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> what can you... But I, I love, like, the subjective theory of value and how that would, would apply to this. I think that's really smart. Um, Especially in miniatures, because, I mean, people have a huge yeah. difference in opinion on what's more valuable and what isn't. I look at paint jobs all the time on Cool Mini, and now people are blown away by something, and I don't, I don't like it aesthetically. Yeah. I don't find it yeah. good at all, and yet I'll find something amazing, and other people, will like, yeah, sure. whatever. There's some subjectivity to it for sure. Well, um, uh, we've spent uh, a lot of time asking you questions. Is there anything you'd like to sort of announce about Vindica coming up, or is there anything you want to kind of hype for for our listeners, or anything like that? Uh, well, well, I'm not sure I want to hype anything. Um, <laughs> okay. well, maybe just, just is there anything that we should know going into the platform? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, so we're we're looking to do our our open beta, you know, some sometime between the 15th and the 20th. Okay. Um, so be on the lookout, I suppose. There, uh, and we are going to be in beta, and this is an ongoing process. Yeah. So if you know if you find yourself on the platform and something you see you like you don't like it pisses you off, uh, please let us know because we're building we're building this platform for users. We're not going to dictate you know this is the platform and you're going to use it. God damn it! Um, so please give us feedback. That's that's been the most valuable thing we've gotten uh, from from many of our our early early users right now. Uh, so if you want something in it. Please let us know. Nice. And can we join your Facebook page and kind of get updates in case there's a delay on launch or in case it starts yeah. earlier than expected? Yeah. So you can message us directly on the Facebook page. Uh, there's an there's going to be an email address. You can reach out to us when it, it's going to be in the open beta disclaimer when you go to the app or the website uh, when we when we do launch. So you can reach out to us any number of ways. That's cool. Very cool. Um, and on Facebook, you guys are just facebook.com slash Vindica, which is V-Y-N-D-I-C-A. Yeah. So exactly how it sounds. Mm -hmm. yep. So great. All right. Well, Nate, we really appreciate your time tonight. Like you've, you've really filled us in on, on, on what this is and all of our questions, I think for me, at least are answered. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm super curious to see where this goes and how it launches. And um, I'm, I'm very eager to see how beta plays out. So very cool. Yeah. Man. Excited to give awesome. us a try. Well, thank you for sharing with us tonight, and um, we'll be sure to like kind of get back with you and check back in in a few months to see how it started and how it's going, and and uh, kind of 
I'll, I will do a few test trades or something, and yeah, we'll, we'll tell you about the user end experience. Like, my shit came in broken, Nate. I'm blaming you, or something <laughs> like you know. Whatever. Hopefully, that's not the case. Yeah, hashtag not my problem. No, right. it's, it's not going to be my response, nice. I, I promise. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to, like, at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial, like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info.ymanogames.com for more information, and until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. Alright, we're going to jump into our one minute rants or gushes. Um, I'm going to rant tonight. I'm going to kick it off this evening. Do you have a, you, I think that you, you you were kind of sketched, you know, skeptical's not a word. Skeptical. <laughs> you were skeptical earlier about whether or not you were going to rant. I had so. something and I was trying to remember what it was. I just can't think of it. And you're, you're just you're too sure it down. You're too yeah. Maybe next time. I forgive and forget. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to rant tonight about the GW stock levels at their web store. So what the hell, GW? Um, the web store direct program seems like a, a pretty okay idea. Like there's basically models on their website you can only get directly from them or through a distributor. But they don't really carry them traditionally in stores. Uh, so you have to order them directly. And that works okay. Uh, except for the fact that when they don't have it in stock. So, for example, um, the Hellstorm template that I tried to get for a client a few weeks ago that was out of stock for like a month, or now Lord Croak. And it seems like these stock levels just go up and down all the time, and I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why they don't have a par level on their website, or someone who's like a quality control guy, like Jim. And Jim should be like, man, we're kind of low on Lord Croak. We should make some more of those. Right. So I don't know if this is a sign of like, because when things come back into stock, it makes me go, all right, well, they're not they're not discontinuing the model. They just, I guess they just fucking missed the ball or something like that. But it makes it hard for me to run my business because I can't guarantee clients. Like I have a guy in France who commissioned a model, and I can't currently get it from him. I can't currently get it from anywhere. Yeah. So what do you do with that? Like it's like if I was like a lumber supplier for a house and then my business ran out of wood, I think the people who build houses would be kind of pissy. That's kind of the thing, <laughs> yeah, right? They what's need going the wood. On? Yeah. Um, well that and then like I think they only give you they sometimes send you an email to let you know like if it's yeah. back in stock. Right. But sometimes you don't get that, the thing that might be out of stock again. Like yeah. it's it's difficult, but but regardless of which, um, I wish you guys did a better job stocking your website or stocking your store, or at least keep keeping us up to date on it. So what the hell is GW? Mm. All right, well, we're going to take a brief break, and when we jump back in, we're going to jump into our outro, and we'll be out of here, and we'll be right back after this. Are you a tabletop-quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commissioned painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you.
put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. All right, it is. Uh, we are at our outro. We are out of here this evening. Um, next time on the show, we're going to be talking with Matt of Titan Terrain Studio. Um, he is a previously he previously was employed off Blue Table, so it kind of reminds me of Pixies and Pistols a little bit. A lot of people. A lot of people. <laughs> there was an exodus, uh, and he has a what I would call one of the former, or not former, most formidable terrain studios um, in the U.S. Like there's a bunch of guys that do terrain out out um, out out in Europe, but there's not a lot of people that do really good terrain out here. And he's one of the few services that really does. Mm. Um, and he does full tables. His rates are very reasonable. And then on top of that, he also has a, um, a painting service. He does uh, miniature painting. and, and so, so he's kind of all-inclusive. Um, he kind of is a one-stop shop for both your minis and your display boards or your terrain to play it on, which is kind of brilliant. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to talking to him because yeah. something we've talked about is uh, having, like, displays terrain just to put our models on. Yeah. So can, so. Definitely. I mean, it's one of those things, like, they kind of go together. Like, you're either going to buy terrain to display on. And sometimes I think that you shouldn't, like, because sometimes I think that the terrain uh, takes away from the model. Um, but with his service specifically, a lot of times, you know, you're getting both as kind of a tandem deal. Um, but some services really do a good job. Like, GMM's a good example. Yeah. Like, they have a really nice, really nice terrain background that they use for their stuff. Incredible. Yeah. You say they, it's a one-man suit. Wow, he's just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes it even more impressive. It does. But yeah. It does. He's great. Like, I, you, got little, you got a little hard on for GMM. I, I do right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're going to try and get him on the show. <laughs> we are. We're going to talk to him. Speaking of, if you are interested in being a guest on the show, please email us at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Let us know what your involvement in the wargaming community is, the hobby community, what you'd like to talk about. We'll be happy to speak with you. Uh, we're always looking for new guests for the show. Um, and let us know what you think about the new format of the show. Do you like these interview with guests, or do you wish we would mix it up, go back to some hobby? I think we are going to mix it up a little bit. I'm, I'm definitely eager to talk to another hobbyist. While, while, while Nate was, was great tonight, he was, he was fantastic, uh, it's not necessarily hobby-related. Well, it's, it's hobby-adjacent. Yeah. It's not, it's not, we're not talking about the nuts and bolts of hobby. It's more like, uh, adjacent is right. It's the, it's the cousin. <laughs> it's the third cousin or something it's, like that. So. Same ballpark. All right. Uh, well, uh, for War Council, uh, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. And I'm Phil Quarren with Brushwork Minis. And until next time, put your minis where your mouth is. <laughs>